Happy Friday, Friday, June 3rd, just baseball show. Jack McMullen, Peter Apple, Arm Layton covering a game in Miami. So usually we get three people together on Fridays. I've been a flake the last two, right? And then Arm is a flake this go around. Have you been a flake the last two? Were we on Wednesday? I think so. No, you were on college. We were just, our college episode dropped yesterday. No, no, no. Uh, I'm talking the last two Fridays. Ah, yes, you have been flaking. You've been traveling and you've been flaking, of course. Yeah, so I've been I've been kind of a, uh, what, a schemer. That That's what people call me, a schemer. Um, so I've been that, but I'm, I'm all the way back now. So Aram's the flake at the moment. Uh, we are going to talk a little bit about the weekend slate coming up, but the bulk of the conversation is going to be with Matt Spiegel of 670 to score in Chicago. We're talking Chicago baseball. We're talking Cubs and White Sox. What's going on in each of those spots? The Cubs have all of a sudden turned into this weird situation because we knew they were lacking direction going into the season, and now they're totally lacking direction, and it's super interesting. So trying to get to the bottom of that, and then, I mean, I get texts from you all the time about the White Sox ineptitude, so it's good to talk to somebody that watches ineptitude every night and hear about said ineptitude. The opposite of ineptitude is Keegan Thompson, though, for the Cubs. He is a pitcher that I'm tailing tonight who's been unreal in Chicago. He's only made three starts this year, but in those starts, he's been great. In his last start, he shut down your Chicago White Sox as well. He's a pitcher that I'm keeping my eye on. I really like what he brings to the table. I'm interested to see if he becomes a full-time starter for the Cubs because I like his stuff. He's rocking a 1-5-0 ERA right now. In terms of production, just production, he's one of the better pitchers in the league right now. Yeah, he's been a swingman. It's been it's been really interesting to see. So we started out of the bullpen and he was going much like Will Crow for the Pirates at the beginning yeah. of the year. Keegan Thompson was going like three shutout innings each time he went to the mound. They were like, OK, let's give him the ball for four innings at the start of a game. And it worked beautifully. So Keegan Thompson, yeah, one five eight, but he's five and oh. We're recording ahead of Keegan Thompson and Libby at Wrigley Field. That'll be really interesting. You got two really young arms. Liberator might get. Uh, hit around the ballpark a little bit, but I am curious to see how Keegan Thompson works his way through a Cardinals attack. That Cardinals Cubs series is going to be good all weekend long. Uh, We'll get to those in a moment, but first Nestor Cortez yesterday just shut down the LA angels. Yep. I know you want to talk about Nestor and Martin Perez. I'm going to say right now that I'm buying all my stock in Nestor Cortez. And if I had to choose, like you put it in Nestor and Martin Perez, I'm putting all of it in Nestor. So Nestor just dropped his ERA to 1.50 after that outing. And it dropped from 1.55. And he threw seven shutout innings against the Angels. And I said it before, it's the increased use of this cutter. He's now throwing it 40% of the time, holding batters to a 153 batting average. I talked about at the beginning of the season that the Yankees have now been instituting this new cutter. We see Garrett Cole using it. We see Luis Severino using it. But the best version of it right now in the Yankees rotation is Nestor Cortez. And it's funny when we're going to talk about Martin Perez, it was the opposite for him. He has lessened his cutter usage. Now he's more sink or change. 
But these two guys, Nestor Cortez Jr. and Martin Perez of the Texas Rangers are your two current leaders in ERA for all pitchers that qualify. I think it's funny in a league now where velocity is the talk of the town, right? Big right-handers, high velo, the Michael Kopecks of the world, the Alec Manoas of the world. But the two best pitchers right now are soft-throwing lefties. And that's, that's what I think is so amazing that in this league today, the two best pitchers throw around 90 to 92 miles an hour on a good day. Yes, on a good day. Uh, Nestor Cortez, what I find so interesting with him, too, is obviously he varies arm slots, which helps the cutter. How about the lefty-righty splits? You know what he's doing against lefties? And there's a reason that opposing lineups are not putting left-handers in the batter's box against Nestor Cortez. They're stacking right-handed bats against Nestor, and righties aren't faring well. They're hitting a buck 83 and 169 at bats. Lefties are two for 20 against Nestor Cortez. They don't put lefties in the lineup. You never see a lefty face Nestor Cortez because he's a left-handed hitter's worst nightmare right now. Worst nightmare because he comes from I, he comes from behind you with the arm slot and he can rip that cutter across the zone. Like there is nothing you can do in a net bat against Nestor Cortez if you're a left-handed hitter that will work well for you. And his fastball too, which again, he's not throwing to lefties because he barely faces any lefties. Last year, the four seam he threw about 42% of the time. And it was his, it was a really good fastball. But just the changes in his approach on the mound have been incredible. That's why it was great to interview him over the break. Like you can listen to that episode. I think it's episode 159, if I'm not mistaken. Nice of recall. The just, yeah, I think it's episode 159 of the Just Baseball Show. We interviewed Nestor Cortez Jr. And he was talking about all the mental approaches he changed, all the pitches that he's picked up along the way, has learned from Gio Gonzalez, picked up the cutter from CeCe, and is now turned into one of the best pitchers in the American League. It is unreal to watch. He's a magician up there. Martin Perez, on the other hand, six starts in May, 42 and a third innings, three earned runs. You serious? Yeah. No homers so far against him this year. Nobody can time him up. Nobody can time him up. The sinker is great. The changeup is great. Just his whole repertoire is great. And his command. The command is, it's impeccable, similar to Nestor Cortez, because these guys don't have a lot of room for error, right? They almost have no room for error. But they've been giving the hitters no room at all. Everything is pinpoint. Like, Jack, I, I bet you're on Baseball Savant right now. You're probably looking at the heat maps for Martin Perez. Oh, I'm on the portal, man. I'm just looking at numbers. It's, it's. I mean, it's it's exact. It's exactly where he wants to place it. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, Martin Perez also on the road, 29 innings, one earned run. That's a veteran presence. Like, the, there is nothing, you know, okay, you get away from Globe Life Field, whatever. Like, no. That's just a 30-something that has been through hell at the major league level, has come out the other side, got an opportunity, and knows how to maneuver road starts. That's the only thing that I can point to in terms of one earned run on the road so far. So would you buy Martin Perez moving forward? Because I, I know would. you're putting all your eggs in the Nestor Cortez. I'm buying him moving forward. This, this type of command you just don't see. And unless he loses it, which could happen, but the pitches themselves are good. The expected stats are great. Like he's rocking a 2.47 XERA, which is one of the best in baseball. He relies on a lot of soft contact and nobody can hit him hard right now. Nobody's teeing him up. 
Right. So when I say that I'm putting all my all my eggs in the Nestor basket, it's not a knock on Martin Perez. It's just a testament to Nestor Cortez, because I I do think that Martin Perez, like there's going to be a five start stretch this year where Martin Perez kind of gets hit a little bit. I do believe that. I just don't see it with Nestor. Like, I don't I don't know when somebody's going to time up Nestor Cortez and read the funky arm slots out of his hand and just rip the ball. I don't think three guys in a batting order can do that on a given night, let alone five. I don't see how Nestor Cortez fails this year. I don't see, now that I, I don't say see that, either. he's probably going to give up six next year. Because that, that's how it goes, right? right. And, and of course, is he going to have a one five zero ERA for the rest of the year? No. Probably not. But is he going to be under three? I think that's very, very likely. I think he could start the All-Star game. I Yeah. Yeah. Like, they'll probably give it to a Verlander. Why? Manoa's even better than Verlander. Manoa just turned in another nice start against the White Sox. He's currently pitching right now as we record. Drops his ERA down to one six zero. Six innings, three hits, no runs, four strikeouts against those White Sox. Johnny Cueto, again, turns in a uh, decent start. Six innings, three runs, five Ks. Relax, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, I, just, I don't know. I feel like that the, the all-star game thing is all about precedent, right? Like, it's all about, you know, oh, yeah, this is the guy, unless there's somebody that's absolutely dominating, like Dallas Keuchel in that Cy Young season. Think about it. Nestor Cortez, New York Yankees, best record, the story. It makes sense that he'd start, too. I mean, do we need to see another 39-year-old Verlander start when he hasn't been as good as Nestor Cortez? Dude, the AL. Straight up has not been as good. The AL is so freaking loaded right now with Manoa, with Nestor, with Verlander, with Kevin Gosman, with Michael Kopech. Like, all these guys are absolutely shoving at the moment. That sentence, imagine saying that sentence two months ago. Like, the guys you just named. Oh my the God! Best pitchers in the Martin Perez. That's why we love baseball. <laughs> That's why we love baseball, dude. You just said Nestor, Martin Perez, Michael Kopech, Alec Manoa, and Kevin Gosman. Like Kevin Gosman and Alec Manoa in their own right. Michael Kopech, we would see, and then no, I don't think anybody expected anything from Martin Perez, and we expected Nestor to be great because he has been great, but not this great, right? Like no one's talking about Garrett Cole, you know? Yeah. No one's talking about Lucas Giolito or Dylan Bieber. Cease, even though right. they've been good, or Bieber, or you know, another Sale, name, who's still Shane McClanahan. Like this Shane, is Mc- not a- Shane McClanahan could start the All Star game, dude. I, I mean, it's it's kind of ridiculous the the great pitching that we're seeing in the American League. So McClanahan gets the ball tonight in Tampa against the White Sox. Let's move to the weekend slate real quick before we get to Matt Spiegel again, um, who is talking about Beat the Streak Daily, his new podcast through Major League Baseball uh, and also Chicago Baseball. But the White Sox in Tampa, they see McClanahan tonight. Uh, Blue Jays host the Twins. Cubs host the Cardinals. There are some really solid series. Phillies Angels in Philly is going to be really interesting because I think that could be that pre-All-Star break nail in the coffin. I also want to see what Seattle does in Arlington against Texas. And then Padres Brewers takes the cake for me. Yeah, Padres Brewers takes the cake. But just going quickly back to Angels Phillies, that Saturday game with Lorenzen versus Wheeler, I really want to keep an eye on that because I that's a that's a big like is Lorenzen real or not kind of stuff. I think he is. I think he is too, but I want to see him dominate the Phillies. I want to see how he performs against them. So Friday is Corbin Burns and Joe Musgrove in Milwaukee. <sighs> Got to watch wins. that. Who wins? Under. Under. <laughs> Under. <laughs> San Diego wins. 
San Diego also, we got to talk about the San Diego Padres for a second. Because are, are they the most overhyped team ever? I mean, nobody can hit on their team outside of Machado. And then, of course, Hosmer just hit a home run. Yeah, I mean, come on now. But seriously, I mean, Cronenworth has not been hitting at all. That's something that we haven't really talked about. Hosmer, you know, Luke Voigt hits like fourth or fifth, and they got Hassan Kip. Like their team is Will Meyer. Their team is not that good. Their offense is not that good. I think they wildly overperformed. Okay, um, through the first so like, 40 games. you're saying that the lineup is overhyped. What I will counter with is Joe Musgrove looks like a Cy Young contender in the National League. Yes, Mackenzie Gore might run away with NL Rookie of the Year. He's amazing. Looking good so far. And they've got power in numbers in that starting rotation. They've got one of the best starting rotations in all of baseball. Do they? Do I believe they, in they you, Darvish. Do. Clevenger is again on the shelf, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Snell's back. Snell How needs he, to settle he in a little pitching? bit. How? How good he, has he been pitching? He missed a long time. He's working. And ever since he's been back, he's just getting shelled. Yeah, but it's only been like three starts. But four. Okay, four starts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I just think that like this team is going to survive this summer. I was worried about it last year. They didn't survive the summer. I think this team can survive the summer because of how many pitchers they have. The Giants are coming. Are they? I think. I, I, think, I the think the Giants, Giants are going to be. I summer. think the Giants. Do I really think the Giants will have a better record than the Padres at the end of the year? I do. I do. I don't. I, I do think so. I think the Giants are going to get healthy. I think they're going to get Descafani back. I think they're going to get Belt back. I think they're going to get Slater back. Dude, Rodon's been back. back. Let's talk what? Rodon for a moment. Rodon's been bad. Yeah. Been had one of the worst Mays after the best April I think we've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, and. And then he was like bottom three among qualified starters in ERA in May. And you were warning me about that. Cause yes. I remember, you know, when we ranked the pitchers, I was like, I mean, Carlos Rodon is that dude. We got to put him in there and you're like, fine, we will. But the regression's coming. Like the lack of velocity, it's coming. Are we starting to see that? He hey. deploys all of his ammo right away. I know. But man, that ammo was enticing. Oh, it's so fun. It's so fun. It's like if you're running a half marathon and you sprint the first three miles. Like, oh my God, he's on a world record pace. And then all of a sudden he needs to stop at the water station and stretch out his hamstring. And then I'm almost thinking of like swimming too, like one of those swimmers that gets off to a fast start. And then you have Michael Phelps in the butterfly. Just, I see you. I'm coming for you. I think of Carlos Rodon, if you just decided not to throw him from now until September 1st, he would be the most dominant postseason <laughs> pitcher ever. Of all time. Of all but time. As Carlos Rodon gets worse, Logan Webb gets better. Yes. Logan Webb has looked better in his last couple starts too. Yeah. See, I think the Giants, I think Alex Wood is going to get better. I, I still think the Giants have just as good of a rotation as the Padres do. And I think when push comes to shove at the plate, I feel like the Giants are going to come through in the big moment rather than the Padres. Dude, that lineup's not better than the Padres lineup. Not right now. Not right now. But uh, actually, right now, the Padres lineup doesn't look great either. Okay, so not right now. When when people get healthy for the Giants, Fernando Tatis also gets healthy. And how much different is the lineup with Fernando Tatis Jr. now in it than last year? I mean... Not that different. And I know, Fernando Tatis Jr. is going to be great. And the thing is with the Giants, the Brandon Belt is not the same guy. They don't have Buster Posey like they did last year, and they don't have a second and a half from Chris Bryant. But I think Wait, where's Buster Posey? Yeah, I know. Isn't that still sad? 
So um, when when we were in the South, Aram grabbed a a pack of Tops Chrome. I want to say is is the name of that box. Um, and you get some like IOU cards where you pick the date where that player hits a homer, and if he does, then you get like this new card. And he gave me a couple packs to rip, and I pulled one of those IOU hit a homer on this day for Buster Posey. Oh, like, really? Well, what am I supposed to do about it? Like, what am I supposed to do with this? I don't know. I don't know either. Also, what about um, Mets Dodgers? Oh, I totally forgot about Mets Dodgers. Yeah, I mean, wow. And before we move on to Mets Dodgers, how about the fact that the Dodgers got swept by the Pirates? Yeah, shout out that. <laughs> shout out that. Uh, Dodgers looked young guys. terrible. Dodgers looked terrible. They looked like they didn't even show up those three games. Yes, um, a lot of young guys performed really well for the Pirates. They showed up when they needed them. Tukapita Marcano, back-to-back games with a bomb. Where did that come from? Um, I mean, Jack Sawinski played well. Like, that's the thing, man. This, this Pirates lineup is just going to get more and more enticing as the year goes yes, on. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Brian Hayes is going to get better, too. Brian Reynolds has started off slow. He's going to get better. Just did a homer yesterday. Uh, I mean, Mason Martin, O'Neill Cruz, like they're both shredding it in Indy. G1 Bay is killing it in Indy at the is moment. Is O'Neill shredding it again? O'Neill is starting to shred it. Mm. Yeah, he was bad, but now he's starting to hit the ball really well. I think the batting average is over 300 over the last two weeks. Okay. All right. So he's coming back now. because yeah. O'Neill's a warm weather guy. He could, like he's a franchise changer type bat if everything works yeah it was funny so um i don't know if i've told this this story on the pod but uh week two of the season was the first road trip and they were in saint paul and it was like 20 degrees with the wind chill in saint paul minnesota um and o'neill just looked miserable and when he came back i i asked him i said you warmed up yet and he told me like he said i dude i i can't stand the cold and i was like well you, you gotta try and figure it out right and he was like yeah i figured it out a little bit in altoona so um o- o'neill knows that he is a warm weather baseball player and he, he's working on getting better in the cold because hopefully the pirates are playing in the cold very soon it's tough for those two power hitters spencer torkelson in detroit and o'neill cruz in pittsburgh <laughs> shout, out really the, shout out the warm weather guys and again sunday night baseball i got another problem Got another problem before we wrap and talk about loop for a second. Cardinals, Cubs, Wainwright versus Justin Steele. Sunday Night Baseball. It's Cubs, Cardinals. It's Cubs, Cardinals. Can we get a better picture for the Cubs, please? Uh, I mean, when I look, I mean, Braves, Rockies, Sunday Night Baseball, Charlie Morton versus Ryan Feltner. I'm good. Thank you, though. We're good. All right, fine. Um, Clevenger versus Lauer. I guess Clevenger is coming off the I.L. I'm just happy that it's not Mets Phillies. Yeah. Framber Valdez versus Jonathan Heasley on the Royals. See, I would love to watch Framber. I, I, I think Cubs Cardinals is going to be good and they can lean into the tradition thing. Um, let's talk loop. I have loved seeing our, our buddies at wild cards trading on that app, man. I mean, they are, yeah. they're on there. T Wright is just booking a marathon. Like it's five hours of just rips. Just well, got my new you pack got in from Loop. Got I, honestly, I kind of, I mean, I didn't get the best pack. See, also on Loop, not every time you're going to pull an amazing pack. More often than not, you're probably going to. But if you have some of my luck, you're just going to get a bunch of these cards. I got this nice Jason Dominguez Invictus card. Um, Invicta, excuse me, Bowman Invicta. Um, 
I got an Alexander Vargas Bowman Chrome for the Yankees. Um, Wilman Diaz. I got to be honest. I don't know who that is. I have his Bowman first, though. You don't know who that is either? I don't know who that is either. Do you know who Maddox Bruns is? Yeah, Maddox Bruns was a first-round pick last year. Do you like him? Yeah, he's solid. Okay, well, I got his Bowman first. Great. So that's what I'm saying. And that it didn't cost me much. And what I'm saying is if you use the link in our episode description, you get a free $20 to use the loop app. And it's a no brainer. It's an absolute no brainer. Even if you don't like cards, you can get it for free. You just so, download the app, two clicks, 20 bucks right there. Bang. So I got the, uh, I got the Bowman or um, I got the $20 credit. I deployed it on loop. I ended up paying like two fifty to rip a pack. Okay. Um, and I ended up pulling Ellie De La Cruz, uh, John Kensi Noel and Lenin Sosa, all their first, their Bowman first. Like I got a wow. great pack. I mean, you paid two dollars and fifty cents for probably three cards that are together worth like sixty bucks. Probably. I mean, what are we doing here, people? Use the use the link in our episode description. Download the loop app. Break cards with us. We're going to be doing, like I said, Jack said, like I said, then Jack, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> the wild no, cards trade. Yeah, I'll keep going. The wild cards trading guys are awesome. They're consistently doing box breaks. That's T and Kendall writers for just baseball. And also they have arm come on the stream and Jack and arm just did a stream um, with yep. two baseball players in the Miami Marlins, which jazz Chisholm was on. So yeah. what I'm saying is you guys got to download the loop app. So you're there for all of our live streams as well to break some cards. And as a thank you, we're giving you 20 bucks when you click that link. So download the loop app. We get to talk to Mr. Spiegel. Yep, it's called ROI return on investment with uh, with Loop. And now we talk Chicago baseball and beat the streak with Matt Spiegel. Matt Spiegel is the co-host of the Parkinson Spiegel Show on 670 The Score. He's also the host of Hit and Run, and he's the host of Beat the Streak Daily, which is an MLB podcast. Beat the Streak was something that's been around for a little bit. I think it, it fell out of a lot of people's attention and now it's all the way back, and you can win a shit ton of money playing Beat the Streak. And Matt Spiegel is documenting it every day. You can listen to that wherever you get your podcasts. We'll hop into the White Sox. We'll hop into the Cubs because he is a Chicago baseball person. Your term is multi-level baseball person. Uh, so we're going to lean into that big time. But first and foremost... What's this new venture going on with Beat the Streak? Oh, man, it's so fun. We're just a couple of months in. But yeah, it's been around for 20 years. And a lot of people don't even know it existed. Um, I was talking to David Ross uh, in the spring, and I was explaining to him what this is. Because what it is, all you got to do is you pick somebody to get a hit in any game in MLB, right? Doesn't matter. So you look at all your numbers, you pick a matchup, and you're like, you know what? Mookie Betts is six for 19 in his career against Jose Quintana. He's on fire right now. I'll take Mookie. He gets a hit. That's one. You get to 57 and break Joe DiMaggio's 56-game hitting streak, you win $5.6 million. <laughs> you can double down on a given day. So you can do it in 29 days. You can get to 57. And if you reset back to zero, then you just start again. Um, so I'm telling David Ross about this. And I, I tell him, yeah, it's been around for 20 years, David. First, the prize was 100 grand. Nobody won. Then the prize was a million. Nobody won. Nobody's done it in 20 seasons and he goes are you fucking kidding me that's how hard hitting is we can't even fucking do it but you motherfuckers can't even pick anybody to do it god damn it and he was like literally angry because the hitter in him came out yeah of like see people tell me it's easy you guys think it's easy it's you can't even fucking pick it so i love that reaction and and really what i'm finding out 
is this game is frustrating, man. You know what else is frustrating? Baseball. And you know what you got to do? You got to pick yourself up every day. Go back to your basics. Go back to your fundamentals. Keep that positive mindset <laughs> and stick with it and show up every day. So it's, it's fascinating in that way. I feel like mentally I'm getting in on it. So Beat the Streak is the game. You play it via MLB, via the MLB play app. And then I'm doing the podcast, Beat the Streak Daily, along with MLB. So it's like it's like 10 to 15 minutes every morning. I'm having so much fun because we break down what happened the day before with the best hitters in the game. We look at people who are actually streaking. Paul Goldschmidt today at 22, Trey Turner today at 23. And then we look at the humans, the, the streakers themselves who are doing it in the virtual hitting streak and people get their shout outs. They hop on the pod. If they get to 35, oh, wow. they get an invite to get on the podcast. You reach 35 and then it's your choice, right? Do you want to deal with the media every yeah. day? Got yeah. tough for Joe DiMaggio to deal with the yeah. media. It got tough for Pete Rose when he got to 45 to deal with the media. No one day. would bitch to him. No and nobody, I know, man. And you don't have like, to worry so, about that. You, you, know, you don't have to worry picks. about, you still have to make your picks, but some people don't want to talk to us. We've had two people who've gotten above 35, 39 is the high point on the year. And they've turned us down because they don't want to deal with the spotlight and like the glare of it. Cause the stress is real when you're getting up there, right? It, 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 the stress would feel real. Like it felt to Pete, like it felt to Paul Molitor, to Jimmy yeah. Rollins, to Luis Castillo and all these actual streakers. Luis Castillo. <laughs> I, I love that. I grew up a Marlins fan, so I love the Castillo shout out. I was going to say though, if you just picked Goldschmidt and Trey Turner yeah. for the last 20, what, 22 games and just yep. did a double down, you'd be almost there, right? Yeah, you'd be there. You'd be there. But but what are the odds of them getting to 22 and 23? Here's of course, the thing. it's very slim. Very, very slim. I'll tell you this much. In Beat the Streak, more than 300 people get to 30 every year. 300 people get to 30, okay? Do you know how many people have ever gotten to 30 in Major League Baseball in the entire history of the game? 55. Ooh. 55. That's it. That's what we're talking about. It's freaking bananas, man. Just how difficult it is. So you can't just ride a streaker. You got to get a little bit creative. So I'm having so much fun with stats, guys. I'm looking at hits per nine, of course, for opposing starting pitchers. Patrick Corbin is a perfect profile. Herman oh, Marquez, too. You yes. Ride yes. Marquez. But here's the thing about Corbin. He's getting paid a lot of money. Yeah. He's on a really shitty team. Yeah. He is being told to go out there and wear it every time he goes. Yesterday, four and a third gave up 12 hits. Nine <laughs> different Mets got a hit. That's what I'm looking for. And then in terms of the hitters, Cedric Mullins or Rafael Devers or Tim Anderson, high batting average, low on base percentage. I don't want somebody who walks. That could yeah. fuck me up as much as anything. So I go for a leadoff hitter, often on the road, get that extra plate appearance in a game, you know, stuff like that. So it's super fun strategically to dig into. And I feel like I'm on top of hitting around all of MLB in a way that I have not been in a long, long time. That's really fun. So do you feel like a lot of people are kind of either if they did play this game in years prior or almost reinvigorating their love for this game? Or do you feel like that, that this podcast and MLB's initiative to push beat the streak again is, is kind of 
uh, instilling this idea like, hey, maybe I can win $5.6 million in some of the younger baseball fans. Because obviously that's what we're all here to do, right? We're here to entice the younger baseball fans because this game is really fun. And it's really fun to, you know, have that financial incentive to play a game like this. Oh, 100%. So not only is it the $5.6 million, but long streak on the season gets 10 grand. So 39 is the goal. So you get, you get past 39, you get, you get 10 grand. And then there's other like prizes and levels and badges and stuff within the app and um, some stuff like that within the MLB play app. They've got three other games in there, but yeah, it's, it is definitely about the gambling component. It's about the excitement component. And it also kind of dovetails a little bit in a rebirth of batting average around MLB, doesn't it? Like kind of a refocusing on contact, a reappreciation of hitters like i'm loving a francisco lindor two-run single to make that mets game eight to nothing last night because i know a lot of people had lindor as much as i'm enjoying an iron judge blast to do it that way so you get your hits however you can i'm going louis guillorme i think i'm looking at my picks right now i'm 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 locked in on Louis Guillaume. Uh, It's funny. I used to do this as a kid. I got it up to 20 something. I I was too young to even win the money. So I started telling my parents, mom, dad, I'm going to win millions of dollars. We're going to have to pretend that it was you that did this. (laughs) Um, So it didn't matter anyways, but no, I I have memories playing this back as a kid. And I did legitimately have, at least in the last couple of years, I thought of I wonder what happened to beat the streak. Yeah. Uh, So it is cool to see it back and it's, it's fun to go full circle now. And um, ever since Jack gave me the little nudge, I've been, I've been back doing it a little bit again too. And uh, so far only high streak is, is eight, uh, but I got to stay okay. on it a bit more. Well, uh, Aram, what, what would you look at? Like, it's like on a given day. Cause I'm looking, of course, lefty righty. I'm looking fastball, heavy pitcher. So let's see how's this guy against fastballs. Um, I'm looking at, you know, line drive percentage. I'm looking at yeah. contact rates and stuff like that but you can get overwhelmed just like in regular baseball. It is regular baseball, right? hundred percent. So I think the the thing that you pointed out that I didn't even think about was, was the walks because I'm always in a prospect frame of mind. And for me, I'm always on this war on, you know, hit tool should also include walks. You know, your ability to walk should count towards the evaluation of a hit tool. But when it comes to this, where you literally need a hit, um, you really don't want guys that are walking one out of every 10 at bat. So, I also am looking at, at, I think there's nothing more important uh, from the players that I've talked to. Uh, like, I always love asking this question, you know, when do you feel most confident? Usually it's either the environment they're in or the guy they're facing, which makes sense. Right. But they know who, where they hit well, and they know who they hit well against. And whether yes. it's, you know, uh, a self-fulfilling prophecy or they really see the ball well out of their hand, I just lean as much into the, uh, stats against specific pitcher as I can. Absolutely. I I just, I think that's the easy, even if it's 25 for 75 or 25 for a hundred, let's say where you get the occasional like massive body of work that might not be a great batting average, but I'm willing to bet on that guy getting one hit in three ABs when he's seen him a hundred times. Right. Cause this is one Oh one. He knows exactly what he's going to do to him. Yeah. This is the first thing I look at when I'm getting ready to look at my picks is I look at the matchups on the day and I sort it by plate appearances who has seen people the most. And then I'm looking at batting average among Mm -hmm. the high number of plate appearances. So I'm exactly with you. And when I see that Lindor owned Jacob Junis when Junis was in Kansas city, right? So when he faces him as a Met in San Francisco last week, I'm all over it. And Lindor went deep against him as he always, always does. So yeah, I agree. 
And, but it really gets me thinking about what the smartest front offices in baseball are really thinking about, because these days, a lot of them are thinking about swing plane versus pitch axis, right? Or swing plane versus tunnel when they're looking at matchups, right, Jack? I mean, that's the stuff they're looking at. So I want to look at pitch types because that's the best that I have. But they, of course, have proprietary stuff on extra levels that we don't have that I wish I did. Yeah, and I'm with you. You mentioned this a couple minutes ago. It, it brings that emphasis on batting average back into this sport that we've been craving for a really long time. So I'm curious, like, who the constant plays are. Obviously, Paul Goldschmidt and Trey Turner are riding these streaks at the moment. Yay. But I look at a guy like Tim Anderson. How about Luis freaking Arise, who just yes. hit like 400 in May? Yes. Um, how about Jose Ramirez, who hardly walks, hardly strikes out, constantly puts the ball in play? Who are some of the guys that people are constantly turning to? Maybe an Andrew Benintendi type, too. Yes, absolutely. I have uh, chosen Benintendi and done well with it. I'm looking at a daily printout I get from MLB. This has been really fun to work with MLB. I can tell you the most picked players on the season to date. And I can go further and tell you the most picked players by elite users, elite users, elite users. Yes. These That's are a good the, threshold. These are the streakers whose streaks on the year have been among the top 1% of all streakers. Number one pick by the elite users has been Trey Turner all year long. Yep. Um, now that is a guy who, if he's not hitting lead off, he's usually hitting two. I guess sometimes three, depending on how they do it. But with his speed, the idea that he can beat out an infield hit as well, and he doesn't walk a ton. So Trey Turner, Freddie Freeman, number two, J.D. Martinez, number three, yeah. Michael Brantley, number four, Manny Machado, Starling Marte, Tim Anderson, Paul Goldschmidt, and the one guy who I keep seeing there, it drives me crazy, but everybody is, uh, Coors Field is a major crutch. Is it Crone? beat the streak. It's Jose Iglesias. What? People pick him like freaking crazy. It drives me nuts. He gets a single. He goes one for four with a single. That's a, that's what he gets. So the numbers aren't great, but overall, but you look down and like, oh, Iglesias did get a single. And you know what? Coors, as we know, is a singles hotbed more than it is even a home run hotbed because the outfielders play deep and balls fall in those yeah. gaps and in between. Yeah, Aram, that's exactly what Jeff Conine told Yeah, you, so, right? you, know, what we, you know, we always talk to Jeff Conine and on Outside the Box with Jeff Conine, because yeah, Jeff, he hit 430 at Coors Field in his career. <laughs> and if you know, like, Je Jeff would leave the yard from time to time, but he'll be the first to tell you that his son Griffin can hit the ball two times further than him. Jeff's game was, you know, split the gaps and put the bat on the ball. He'd be a perfect beat-the-streak guy, to be honest. Uh -huh. And he loved Coors because he's like – yeah, I'd sneak some over the wall, but I felt like I had so much space to work with. If I just put the bat on the ball, it was going to fall. And it's funny you said that because guess who I picked today? Jesus Aguilar, because I think he's very similar. Aguilar will get his home runs, but he's more of a bat to ball guy. Yeah. That with all of that space, those, those little, you know, duck fart hits that he has from time to time will fall because the outfielders really do play way back. And Jeff was saying, if I was a manager at course, I tell them to play in. Because the ones that are over your head are going to carry over the wall. Right. The ones that are in front of you are going to hang up a little bit longer. But, you know, I, I thought that was interesting. And, yeah, I mean, that is the most cavernous outfield. And it doesn't really make it any better. The balls still get out. And now more hits fall, too. And that's why it's the best place to hit in the world. Well, and what you just said about Conine's thought process, that he felt like he had all that space, mm -hmm. that, that factor, anxiety reduction, Yes. In the mind of the hitter, 
that's everything. And everything. I wish I wish we could quantify it. We can't. But when we hear that stuff anecdotally from active guys, that that is the stuff to give so much weight to because you can't find it on a spreadsheet and it matters. It's why one, two and two, one is such a big difference in terms of account. It's why it's why familiarity, like you're saying, Jack, is a great way to play this. It's like, you know, the less anxiety you can have at the plate, the more comfortable you'll be and the more contact you'll probably make. Before we move on to the White Sox and Cubs, real quick, again, can you tell us where we can find this podcast? Beat the Streak Daily, Inside the Hits is the podcast. It's on Apple. It's on Odyssey, which is my company that has the score and, um, and uh, all other sports radio stations, or not all, but a lot of other sports Most. radio stations. You can find it everywhere. And you can also find it within the app. Just go to the MLB Play app. And if you're playing Beat the Streak, there's a little drop-down menu, and our podcast link is right there. So it's fun. 10 to 15 minutes every morning, just getting you up to date and getting you ready for the day. And we give you lots of picks at the end and you were listening time. to what you were listening to fan in new york and you heard uh listen to beat the street daily with matt spiegel right dude i've got i've got a buddy who does middays in san francisco he texted me and he said i'm tired of hearing about beat the street <laughs> i have I, I have a buddy in seattle who does afternoons you know these are all like my radio grad school pals who worked at different networks throughout yeah. the, the country. I'm tired of hearing about this, man. I got uh, my uncle was running in Philadelphia. He's like, what the hell's going on here? So, yeah, they're trying. They're trying to get it out there. But I need the kids, man. Yeah. I used to be a kid. I need you guys. Yeah. Damn it. Well, and, and the kids love the splits these days. And, and I'll say this, like, this is the last <laughs> point I want to make on this is, is you got to look at the ballpark. And if you don't think that it makes that much of a difference, yes. have Jeff's. I've Jeff splits at cores. Yeah. <laughs> four. Oh, this was in 24 games, 103 plate appearances, 407, 466, 769 slash line. That's a crazy 35 OPS. If you don't think that, that the ballpark makes a difference. And also that's not including the 12 games at mile high where he okay. hit 440, 472, 820. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> so, so that that must just be mindset of I'm up here in the thin air. No, there's a hit probability tool within the app where they have like, you know, 67% to get a hit is Paul Goldschmidt today. And I had the guy who designs the algorithm on the podcast. And he said the number one thing they look at is handedness. The number two thing they look at is park factor. That's number two right away. So they start there yeah. and then add everything else from that point. Makes all the sense in the world. Makes sense. Um, let's talk White Sox, because if you pick a White Sox, you might be in a good position. They have the second fewest strikeouts of any team in Major League Baseball. They have the fewest walks of anybody in Major League Baseball. I, I disagree because your player could get injured first A.B. And then yeah, <laughs> good call. What's going on with the team that you cover in your town, man? I mean, obviously, I grew up a White Sox fan like obviously and Moncada has been hurt. I saw Vaughn pump two out in a rehab assignment in Charlotte. Uh, Vaughn looks great. Moncada's hurt again. Luis Robert has COVID. A couple of guys on the restricted list in Toronto. Is this team ever going to get healthy? Because this was the same thing that we were saying last year. I know, but even when they were unhealthy last year, they hit enough to overcome that. They hit enough to overcome the fundamental issues that they continue to have, the defensive issues that they continue to have. And this year they're not. I think they're 26th in OPS in Major yeah. League Baseball. They yeah. do not walk. The two guys, they don't hit righties, especially righties who throw sliders very well. Slider, pretty popular pitch these days in MLB. I'd say so. So they're getting dominated that way. The two lefty bats who are both patient, who they need desperately to be great, are Yoan Moncada, 
who is still out now, not on the injured list, but he pinch hit the other night, thinks he could do that, but he's not feeling good. And that's a very troubling case of possibly long haul COVID that is really difficult to figure out for him and for the White Sox. And the other guy they need to be great is Yasmani Grandal. Look at the slugging percentage for Yasmani Grandal. It is pathetic. He at leadoff last night, struck out three times, did have a sack fly. Well, it should have been a sack fly. And then they had the stupidest play of the game and a play emblematic of the entire season that we should talk about. But they, they, they don't get anything from Grandal and Moncada, and they do not have a functioning lineup. That's where they are right now. Okay, so a, a mutual friend now, James Fox, pumped this into my Twitter ether. This is from Patrick Nolan at Sox Machine. WRC Plus against right-handed pitchers. Yoan Moncada against righties in 2021, 122. This year, he's obviously missed too much time, but he's got a 21 WRC Plus. Oh! Yasmani Grandal, 159 WRC Plus against righties last year, 49 WRC Plus this year. Gavin Sheets, 125 yeah. last year. 80 this year. Leury Garcia, 98 last year, 33 this year. Everybody sucks against righties. Yeah, and th those are the four lefties. Leury's a split, but those are the four guys. Reese McGuire played last night, and he actually had a couple of hits uh, playing against Toronto. That's that's what they're doing. I mean, th they're, they're in a lot of trouble uh, in that particular matchup. And then fundamentally, man, they just don't play well. The play I'm talking about, they're down 6-5. Grandal hits a deep fly to left with men on first and third, one out. This should tie the game. McGuire is coming home from third to score on the stack fly. Daryl Boston sends Danny Mendick to second for some reason. He's thrown out at second by Teoscar Hernandez because Matt Chapman on a smart team is standing, <laughs> looking at Teoscar and pointing at second base. So Teoscar throws to second. They get Danny Mendick before McGuire crosses the plate. Tying run does not count. They lose six to five. They're dumb. The team is dumb. Their base coaches, Daryl Boston at first, Joe McEwing at third, are bad. They both predate Tony. They are loyalty hires. They yeah. remain employed because of Reinsdorfian loyalty. Yeah. And that's why it's emblematic of this whole thing. When they lost to the A's in the playoffs in 2020, we all knew that the talent was there, but they needed good coaching. They needed, uh, you know, structure and organization and fundamentals and prioritization. So they fired Ricky Renteria and we were like, here they go, man. And then they made a loyalty hire in Tony La Russa and let him keep whoever he wanted, bring in a guy or two. Ethan Katz is the only coach worth a damn on that roster. And he was dragged in by Lucas Giolito. So they are a, a very bad fundamental team, poorly coached, and they're not hitting enough to mask all those flaws. This sounds exactly like what I say to you every week, Arm, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It does. I, I, I've heard this this bit before. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm just gonna. So this is what I usually do because I grew up a Marlins fan, and you know I was too young to remember '03 vividly. Um, and my memory really starts in 2005, which is endless bad years, and they haven't finished above 500 since 2009. So naturally, I just love to throw gasoline on the fire of all of my friends' teams that are struggling. And I have a trivia question for you guys. Uh, which Major League Baseball team do you think leads the league in chase rate? In swinging outside the zone? Yes. White Sox? 
Correct. Yeah. Very good. Thanks. There we go. So it's White Sox, Detroit Tigers. Cardinals is a surprise, but also not. They're kind of struggling uh, offensively, but they've had the right guys step up. And then Baltimore and the Marlins. So oh. that is not a group that you want to be around uh, right there. And and I know that the White Sox, you know, it's a little bit skewed when you have somebody like Tim Anderson who swings at everything. And, and Robert. And hits everything. And Robert is the same way. The other, yes. the other and Abreu is is another guy who swings a lot and doesn't walk that much. So their three best hitters are not OBP guys. And and that's going to just foster inconsistency, right? So I, I, I have this question for you. It, what do you think they should do? Because at the end of the day, this team is still very, very talented. We know that they can sneak in and still take the division if they're healthy without a problem. They were everybody's pick. They were our pick. Uh, the Twins are good, no doubt about it. But they're dealing with their own health issues. Their pitching's thin. It's a marathon. And the White Sox can't outlast them if they can just keep treading water here through these injuries. But what's the addition that needs to be made? You know, Lance Lynn's on the mend. You know that you're going to get some pitchers back. Joe Kelly will hopefully be back soon. It seems like surprisingly, the offense might be more of the concern. But at the same time, the farm system is very thin. And there's only so much you can go out and get. Some players are performing, which I think helps. You know, you have Lenny Sosa leading the minors in hits. You have Colson Montgomery, who you don't want to trade. But if it's win now, you know, you might be able to go send him out of town. What is what is the move to make for the White Sox to, you know, try to bolster this win now mode? Because it really is win now. Well, it, it's really scary because it's such a flawed roster. The guy making the most money is Grandal, who is defensively challenged as a catcher and needs to be great offensively and is not. You're not going to go out and make a move for a catcher like Contreras, Wilson Contreras or something like that because Grandal has to play and you have other guys who need to DH occasionally too. And McGuire is perfectly suitable as a backup. Second base was a hole last year. They traded Madrigal, who was hurt at the time, for Cesar Hernandez. Hernandez was terrible here. Yeah. Now Hernandez, back in a situation that doesn't matter in Washington, is top five in hits. hits. Got yeah. 61 hits. He's top five in hits in MLB. It's insane. Sitting 295 and playing really good defense. But the situation means nothing. Maybe he's one of those guys that doesn't like a high profile like that. So they got Josh Harrison. That I was going to say, I liked that signing. I, I, I got to give them the benefit of the doubt there. Harrison, was I thought, was a good pickup. It's a, it, but it's another guy with the same kind of uh, bat profile, though. He's a C-ball, hit-ball swinger. And that part is not working. Um, but I like Harrison too. So what are you supposed to do? Like all of the hitters, most of them are back of the baseball card guys that you're waiting to show up. AJ Pollock had a very slow start. He has raked throughout his whole career. I really liked that pickup at the time. Yeah. I thought that made right. sense. Um, they're counting on Gavin Sheets and they're waiting on him. I would not. So I would go and add a lefty bat that can play a corner outfield spot and we talked about that all off season at Conforto, 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 yep. Conforto. Then of course we find out that he's hurt and he's nowhere, but there, there, you got to look around for a lefty bat of consequence who can play a corner outfield spot and stop giving time 
to Gavin Sheets. At second, maybe Yolbert Sanchez. You've seen Yolbert. Is Yolbert ready to be a big league player? Defensively, he would improve them, and that would matter at second base, but is there enough bat skills to make it worthwhile? Like, yes, he's a a high batting average guy, but there's no power there. Um, So it's not like you're getting an impact bat, but you're getting a bat that would be a very serviceable eight hitter that just bumps the collective batting average up a, a couple of points, which, you know, is kind of great. You need base runners if you are offensively inept at the moment. Yeah, and well, and here's the thing about that lineup. 47 lineups in 47 different games by Tony La Russa. I don't know that I've ever seen wow. anything like it. Whoa. I don't know that I've ever seen anything like it. And, and, and his move is to put guys who don't deserve it in situations where he wants them to rise to the challenge. And Leary Garcia. Leary Garcia hitting two. You know, stuff like that. Um, he, he puts Johnny Cueto out there for a seventh inning. The other day with nobody love, backing him up. I love Johnny Quaid at all. So, I'm so do I. On this. So do I. But he got through six with a quality start, had nothing. You should hear AJ Przinsky from that Saturday game just blasting Tony like you got nobody backing him up. What the hell are you doing? He puts guys, and Quaid's been great, but it's it's irrespective of whether they're kids or veterans. He tries to show them confidence. And the side effect is that eventually you can just blame the players and say, oh, they didn't yeah. do it. They didn't yeah. do it. Tony, I gave him, him a chance. There. He didn't rise yes. to the occasion. Yes. Uh, what, what, what a shame. What a yeah. shame. Well, speaking of rising to the occasion, Jack, this is a question for you too. We're seeing some bat to ball prospects kind of get a little bit more of aggressive promotions. We unfortunately had to deal with that with Michael Harris getting yeah. bumped up with the Braves from double all the way to the big leagues. And, uh, that was another one because Jeff Conan was just out watching Griffin in Pensacola. And I shot him a text said, what did you think of Michael Harris? He goes, loved him. I said, guess what? He just got promoted to the big leagues. He said, no freaking way. Yeah. Like he loved him and he was still floored. The reason why I'm using that as, as, as a, you know, lead in here is when Ian Sosa, I'm going to bring him up one more time on this episode. He's hitting 341, 396, 562 in double a with 10 home runs. He's striking out 14% of the time. I am adamant that double A right now is not far off from triple A. The big leap is from high A to double, in my opinion, you know, depending mm. on certain matchups, certain day. But for the most part, double A is as tough as it is anywhere. The guy's hitting 310 against fastballs, 341 against breaking balls, and in a small sample size, 615 against changeups. He's seen 55 of them this year. Wow. At what point do you consider bringing a guy up from double? Yeah, well, I, I think you're, you're pretty close. We're two months in. We've passed the Memorial Day tent pole. Their run differential, I, I think it's what, the fourth worst in the American League? That sounds right. You know, they, they kind of are who they are at this point. And as we all wait for the bats to come around, you're wasting Cy Young caliber from Dylan Cease. Yeah. You're wasting Michael Kopech breaking through and being better than you dreamed in terms of the efficiency. Yes. The efficiency as well is what's happening with Kopech. Um, you're, you're wasting a lot and they're wasting so much money in that bullpen. That's another part of this roster construction, which is troubling is they spent a lot of money on Joe Kelly, a lot of money on Kendall Graveman and a ton of money on Liam Hendricks. And it's not really working out, but, um, yeah, no, I, I think it's, I think it's worth considering and I don't think anybody's brought it up locally. So if I do, I'll, I'll steal it from you, but maybe I'll appropriate, uh, you know, appropriate. Hey, whatever you want, whatever you want. I'm always going to be a a, a twerp about prospects and trying to force them all up to the big leagues. Well, no, but you raise a good point about double a being, um, you know, a different thing than what it used to be. And, and, you know, and recent baseball history is littered with, Look, if they're ready, bring them up and let's see. And if they are, then then they can help. So right. so why the hell not?
So um, it, it would take some gonads to do that. It also took some serious gonads to DFA Dallas Keuchel. Some serious, and I know like everybody was talking about it, right? Like writing on the wall for Dallas Keuchel, he's no good anymore. You you gotta you gotta cut ties while you can. That's a lot of money that you're just kind of throwing away there. But but they did it for the betterment of the White Sox organization. How do you fill those starts? I know Lance Lynn just went three scoreless in Charlotte a couple of days ago. Um, but is it Davis Martin, who we talked about on, yes. on your station with Hit and Run, who, who we loved? I texted Aram yes. uh, right before I saw Davis Martin start against Indianapolis. And he was like, damn, that stuff looks good. Like on mm-hmm. paper, we'll see. And, and all the pitches work off each other well. Is it a Davis Martin? Is it Johnny Cueto? Like what's going on in the starting rotation? It's Cueto. It's Vince Velasquez who is stretched out and they're going to keep stressed out. And they actually did a really nice job. Katz and Velasquez did a really nice job collaborating on a reallocation of his stuff that worked for a while. Um, So they feel pretty good about him as a spot starter. And it's absolutely Davis Martin. I think those three let them feel like even with the desire to let Kopech have six or seven days every once in a while, which is what he had before the Sunday night game was six days and he was at his best. And they don't think that's a coincidence. So even with that desire and with Lynn, not being back in full, those three guys at the bottom men make them feel fine about DFA and Keiko. Uh, one thing about the Keiko DFA that you guys would appreciate. Cause I learned this from John Lester, watching a guy endlessly, work to recreate himself and reinvent himself if need be towards the end of his career. Hell, last year in St. Louis, John Lester learned some stuff from Adam Wainwright and Mike Maddox and had an incredible six or seven start run in St. Louis, all of a sudden throwing the sinker more than he ever had in his life after talking with those guys and being open-minded. And then he retired. Yeah, Dallas Keuchel has spent the last two years trying to be the exact same guy he's always been. Same freaking guy side to side on the corners of the strike zone. Keep everything low, get the weak contact. They've been trying to work with him to reinvent his slider, to think about allocating his stuff differently, to change his sequencing. He's been stubborn and stubbornness will eventually kill you. And that's what killed him. Adapt or die. Adapt or die. We make fun of his Instagram name too, Kid Kaiki. That's not a good uh, Instagram no, name at I all. No, I don't. I I don't like saying it. I'm Jewish, so I feel okay. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, me too. I, 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 I know. I, I do. I do get. I do get uncomfortable saying it too. I'll be honest. <laughs> I, I always say to Jack, I say Kid Coochie, just to keep it safe. I understand. Yeah. You know who he's married to, right? You know Kelly Nash. Married? Yeah, well, one of the uh, former. Uh, uh, former uh, quick pitch, quick pitch yeah. ladies. I oh, love yeah, quick yeah. pitch. Um, hey, real quick before we wrap on the Cubs. Do the White Sox win the AL Central? I, I, I've been saying yes. I am, I am struggling to say yes this week. After seeing TA go down, and it is a best-case scenario, looks like three weeks, two okay. weeks out, and then a rehab stint. Okay. That's good. I actually really liked the at-bats overall that they had last night, so maybe everybody will step up with some more concentration that way. Um, but I'm having a hard time because the twins did something very smart with Royce Lewis. They sent him down and gave him four different gloves and said, learn how to play center to spell Buxton, learn, learn how to play third to spell Urshela. And so when they're, when they're healthy with, with Buxton and Correa and Lewis, and you know, they'll go out and get more pitching if they need to. Um, so I'm struggling. So a long answer, long answer, but I think I'm, I think I'm still a yes, but I'm struggling more than I have all year long. I mean, I, I, I got to say with the twins, 
they've they've really uh, made some smart moves. Even like looking at Barrios now, cashing in on Barrios at peak value and seeing how he's struggling now, and you know having the prospects that they got in that return also that they could maybe eventually repackage and flip too. Yeah, uh, to go buy. Uh, it's it's interesting. I'm liking the way it's heating up in the front there. So uh, the pressures on the White Sox a little bit could force a, a fun move. Two no-nos in question asking. Yes or no questions, which I just did, and then vague ask questions, which I'm about to do right now. Oh, I like those. What's the Cubs plan right now? <laughs> <laughs> I'll I tell you what it is. Yeah. It's not a rebuild. It's a build, okay? They are trying to middle it. And the way that they got there is kind of reverse engineered, looking at the league and thinking to themselves, I don't think tearing it down to the studs right now in this particular environment is going to work the way it did last time. And the fact that they don't want to do that from a business perspective. So they're middling it. They're taking this season to check out several different guys. That list includes Frank Schwindel and Patrick Wisdom and Rafael Ortega and a, a whole bunch of, of other guys. Um, but they also signed Stroman and they signed Suzuki because if you can find value on a multi-year deal, they're not going to wait for that because they have the money to do it. They're still 14th in payroll yeah. next year. They'll be back up to top five. I do believe they'll DFA Jason Hayward before next year. And that money will get reallocated. I think this is one year of not prioritizing winning on the big league level when they did that for three seasons and the White Sox did that for three seasons and the Astros did that for four seasons. This is a build and it's going to be ugly as heck this year. And by the deadline, they should know is Patrick wisdom, a keeper. I actually think yes. Schwindel's, think yes. Schwindel's not Ortega's not is Christopher Morell on an 11 game hitting streak. Somebody who's going to surprise as a prospect. Maybe Nelson Velasquez will get a shot to surprise Caleb Killian will be here soon. Meanwhile, Pete Crow Armstrong, aggressive placement at Daytona, killed it there, just got promoted to high A South Bend two days ago. So they're being very aggressive in the system. Um, Canario, who I know you've seen, Jack, Alcantara with a bomb last night that's making the rounds. Um, there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of prospects who are getting very aggressively pushed, and they should be ready to help at some point next season is the, is the goal. So I think they will have a very aggressive spendy off season. And this will be a take a breath year where they bank on Wrigley being enough to keep attendance decent and hope that people are patient. It will be. And right? well, you bring in the prospects every once in a while and yes, and, you know, uh, Brennan Davis struggles definitely hurts. I, I'm sure going into the year, you know, the plan was reinvigorate the crowd with, you know, a guy that I, I know the whole fan base is very amped on and, I don't think I've soured on Brennan Davis at all. You know, he's a triple a way younger than the competition. It's been banged up, but that's another guy that gets into the fold here and is exciting. And then uh, we got to give a shout out to our uh, friend of the show, Matt Mervis uh, undrafted free agent in the cub system who I continue to uh, shout out on there. He is hitting out of his mind right now. I'm pulling up the stats. I don't know if you're going to believe this, Matt, Where uh, undrafted free agent at a Duke uh, first baseman. He at high A hit 350, 389, 650, and then got promoted to double A. And now he's hitting 302, 388, 581. He's got 10 home runs already this year. So, first base. So, is he playing instead of uh, Bryce Ball? They're, they're, they're splitting, splitting DH first base time. I I'm bringing up Mervis for one reason. This entire system's hitting top to bottom. And I think that's a really good point that you bring up that it's like, let's take a year to see how things are going from top to bottom. 
the lower level prospects are performing. The mid level prospects, you're comfortable enough to force them up. Now you have a better idea. Now, what do they do? Do you trade Ian Happ? Do you cash in on your relievers? Or are you continuing to just push forward and see how things go? Uh, what is their move here at the deadline, assuming that they continue to sputter a little bit, hang around 10 games under 500? Do they trade Ian Happ? Do they cash in? Or do they keep those pieces and, and you know see which prospects kind of matriculate you know to the big leagues? Happ is an interesting one. Happ rededicated himself defensively, been real good and left. He's played some center and he takes pride in guiding some of the kids. He's also the union rep. He's a super thoughtful dude. He's That's a awesome. tie. He's he's part of the um the the bridge, the connecting thread to the 2016 team because he's raised up by the likes of Rizzo and others. So I, I suspect they will try and find a way to keep Hap, but he's very smart. And I don't know if he's going to negotiate with them or not. And he just watched all his good friends eventually get dealt when they could not negotiate extensions. So it's very interesting. I think Wade Miley is a sign and flip. I think Drew Smiley is a sign and flip if he comes back healthy at all. I think David Robertson is a really good sign and flip. Yes. Um, I think that other people in that bullpen will be available. They believe Givens. that they can create and craft a bullpen. Givens is an excellent call. They believe that they can create and craft it. So, um, and, and we'll see if any of the aforementioned 30 somethings like Ortega and Schwindel are guys that people want. Oh, give me a pinch hitter off the, off the bench. Ortega can run. Ortega can play all three outfield spots, stuff like that. I think they'll be aggressive trying to keep stocking the system, even on a lower level at the deadline. One shout out to Theo Epstein, whose overall plan did not work in large part because they did not draft well. So, I mean, of course it worked. They won a world series, but sustainability didn't happen. But one shout out, he knew that they were messed up about three, four years ago. He looked and said, we have fallen behind. And he got rid of Jason McLeod, brought in Dan Kantrovitz as the new director of scouting and development. He brought in Justin Stone from the outside as the director of hitting. He brought in Craig Breslow, made him the director of pitching. Loved Breslow in Boston. Big time turnover in scouting, development, philosophies, and he did that before he left. So they knew that they had that to clean up, and they have aggressively cleaned it up and are going to be much healthier long-term because of it. Leave something better than how you found it. Mervis said the same thing. You know, on the pod, he said the same thing from top to bottom. The players have the confidence that they're, you know, given as much information as anybody else and, yep. you know, have as the best resources uh, out there. And, and I think that's something that you got to have feeling from top to bottom to really have that positive development. Yes, I last, absolutely agree. Last thing for me at, at the big league level, Wilson Contreras is up after this year. He just turned 30. He's having a great year. I'm curious what a contract for Wilson Contreras looks like, because obviously if he looks for big money, he might price himself out of the Cubs. Although this feels like the guy that they want to hold on to. Um, what does a deal for Wilson look like? You're shaking your head. I don't think he's the guy they want to hold on to. Really? Um, yeah, I, I think, I think there's some stuff they don't love about him. It is a lot better than it used to be, but the framing is one thing, but I used to always talk about the unnecessary cat-like reflexes of Wilson Contreras. He was very <laughs> jumpy behind the plate. He's less so now, but Darvish didn't want to pitch to him and yeah. didn't. Um, there have been pitchers along the way who have said, could I, do you mind if I throw to the other guy? You know, um, so there's some of that that's going on. 
in there. I don't know if he's a long-term catcher in that way. I think Jan Gomes being here in a multi-year deal is another window into what they prioritize. Um, and I, 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 look, paying a catcher is risky. It worked for Buster Posey and he had positional versatility, but he's also Buster freaking Posey. Right. Um, it, it, it worked for Molina with the Cardinals as he kept going, but that is one of the great defensive catchers and, and, and pitch framers and, and leaders of, and just and veteran leaders. leaders. And I don't think they love that piece about Wilson, frankly. So, and I don't say that in a critical way, but I don't think they love that piece enough mm -hmm. of it. So then you look, Joe Mauer deal was a disaster for Minnesota, right? There's been several catcher deals and Mauer played first towards the end, but he was a legacy guy and somebody that they couldn't get rid of, but it was an albatross. JT Real Muto got what five for 115, something like that. Is that what he got? I, I don't think they want to pay Contreras that. And if Wilson thinks he can get that, I think they will, they will get as many prospects as they can at the deadline for a, a very good guy in Wilson Contreras. Matt, you were, you, you undershot it by half a million. So you were right on <laughs> five years, 115.5. So okay. a little bit worse. Okay. Uh, no, but even JT's taken a step back this year. I know it's right around the same age. I think that's a perfect comp. And JT was the leader. Uh, and at least that, that defensive oriented catcher as well. My last follow-up question on that would be, you know, why not trade him sooner then? You know, I, I know that there was, you know, Craig Mish, who we really trust, uh, with the Mar on the Marlins beat said that, you know, they'd engaged in some talks, the Marlins and the Cubs about a year ago, uh, at least just preliminary talks and the asking price was too high. I assume other teams have inquired, but you know, why not trade Wilson Contreras while he has years of control and maximized value. Now he's a rental and your return's going to be somewhat limited. Well, they did that exact thing with Rizzo and Bryant and, and Baez. Baez. Yeah. They waited too long. And you could certainly argue that they have waited too long, but they wanted to give them one more shot two years ago after winning the division sort of surprisingly in 2020 under David Ross in the first year. So they wanted to give them that one more chance in 20 um, in 2021. Um, and it, it didn't go, but yet they, they waited too long. They say they tried to negotiate extensions with those guys. Those guys say that they didn't offer fairly enough, but what we do have of the information is kind of a mixed bag, but you could argue they've waited too long um, and got emotionally tied in a way that you're not supposed to as a front office and Theo left before some of those final decisions could be made. Yeah. Trying to extend somebody and doing what Heim Bloom did to Xander Bogarts are two totally different things. That's not trying to extend somebody. So I, I would prefer if Jed Hoyer actually tried to extend them instead of doing the, the Heim Bloom to Xander Bogarts thing. What did they offer? Five for 80 for Xander Bogarts? Five for 90. Something wow. Like that. Wow. Disgusting. Yeah. Well, you know, they, they offered um, for Rizzo, they offered, was it, was it three for 70 That's for Rizzo? Bad. Yeah, and he turned it bad. down. No, he turned it down. And yeah. now he ended up taking less with yep. the Yankees. Um, there was a big offer for Baez at one point, and he turned it down, ended Thank up goodness. getting ended up getting a lot from Detroit. Bryant is the one where, where they say they offered plenty. Bryant's camp says that they never offered anything. Wow. But, you know, some, some guys along the way, they've had a dispassionate look at. I remember knowing full well that Jake Arrieta was going to get used to the full extent of their control and then allowed to walk away. And yeah. that's what they did. And that was the right thing. And I think they had made up their, just their mind to do that same thing with Bryant. Right now, early on, that looks like a wise choice, frankly. Yeah.
100 percent uh matt spiegel this was awesome again beat the streak daily wherever you get your podcasts uh and check out mlb beat the streak on the mlb play app thank you so much man you're officially a recurring guest i love it thanks guys what a pleasure appreciate it when was the last time you played beat the streak daily so we talked about this i think um on last episode, I think it was on the college episode. My record is 42. Yeah. That was a couple of years ago. I never, um, and it was nerve wracking making each pick. Like I was on the leaderboard. I was up there with the top of the top and I thought I was the smartest baseball person alive. And then I lost, but yeah. it is such a fun game. I got to get back into it. You got to get back into it. Um, there were a couple things that he pointed out that I thought were fascinating. Uh, high batting average, low on base percentage. You want guys with low walk rates and low strikeout rates. Cause like, a walk doesn't help you. If a guy goes 0 for 1 with three walks, that does nothing for you. Luis so, Arise. Yeah, yeah, you're looking for a Luis Arise. You're looking for a Tim Anderson. Um, you're looking for guys like that who just swing at everything and put the ball in play. I was saying Ty France, but he walks too. He's just an amazing hitter. Yes. Yes. Um, I've been watching Vinny Pasquantino this week. I'm in. <laughs> like I'm, I'm all the way in. That's the number one name asked about in our TikTok lives currently. Vinny? Vinny, Vinny Pascantino. Everybody's asking about him. The kid for the Royals is going to be the next great first baseman for him, if I'm not mistaken, right? First base? Yeah, first base, DH. Um, yeah. He and Prado are kind of swapping. I saw Prado in left. Um, so Nick Prado, he's striking out a lot, but Prado just hit his 10th bomb. But Vinny Pasquantino is the best hitter in AAA baseball right now. And, I, and it's not close. Better than O'Neill. Oh, yeah. I mean, O'Neill is O'Neill's hitting like 200. So who? So give me some of the best hitters in AAA right now to end it. Well, Vinny Pasquantino is hitting, I want to say, 305 with a 1075 OPS. He's got 15 homers. He's driven in 52 in 50 Jeez. games. I mean, it's, dude, 25 walks, 30 Ks in like 45 games. Holy mother. All right, who else is doing great? Vinny's killing it. Um, Nolan Gorman, obviously. Gorman's near the top of those leaderboards. Our guy Mason Martin is, is slugging very, very well. Let me pull up the, uh, the league leaders here uh, in the International League or in AAA baseball. I'll just do AAA baseball entirely. Yeah. Um, Michael Stefanik, who we had on the call-up, is hitting 342. Uh, shout bad. out to him. Jonathan Aranda in Durham. Alec Burleson, another guy that's been on the call-up uh, in the Cardinals system, has been great. But uh, Vinny's killing it. Um, you know, it's, it's not a lot of guys that you've necessarily, uh, heard of, I would say, or like big time prospects like Kevin Pillar was having a great start to the year. Omar Mazzara was having a great start to the year. No, Mar Mazzara, pardon. Um, another guy called up. Yeah, he did get called up. Another guy that got called up. Cody Clemens was kicking ass. Roger Clemens's son. Cody mm. is a, uh, a second baseman in the Tigers organization. He's now with the Tigers, but I mean, this guy was just pumping extra base hits to the alleyways constantly. So, yeah, I mean, AAA ball has been fun to watch, man. So I've got Prado and um, I saw Jackson Coar start on Tuesday. I'm getting a front row seat to the Vinny show. I've got Jacoby Jones. How was a Briseño? How was Bubich when you saw him? Uh, Bubich did not start. He was supposed mm. to start. And then there was another starter. Ah, I want to know how he does in the minors. I hope I see him this week. All right. We'll see. And we'll see yep. you all next week on the next episode of the just baseball show. But make sure you download the loop app. Of course. What? Oh, I thought you were giving hey. me the, uh, never mind. No, <laughs> download the loop app. That link is in our episode description. Of course, get your free $20 credit.
And um, check us out on Twitter at just BB media on TikTok and Instagram as well at just baseball fans. I'm at Peter Apple 23 on Twitter. That's Jack underscore McMullen 11. Yes. Given our personal Twitters these times, what do you think? Yeah, and for all those people, in, haven't done that in months. Haven't done that in months. So give us a good Twitter follower if you're new to the show, yeah. as well as if you are loving the show, uh, give us a five star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. New merch on the way soon too. New merch on the way. We're getting long sleeves, new hats. So go check out our merch in our episode. My phone just keeps falling. And yeah, dude. Everything. Bad outro. Get Should a we grip. Just say goodbye. Get a grip, man. Have a good weekend, everybody. With that, thank you.